every year in these days of turning, turning leaves, the instinctive turning of birds and animals, our Jewish friends, our cousins in faith, practice turning. From the evening of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, till the dark at the end of Yom Kippur, which was yesterday evening, Jews from around the world engage in an, an intense time of spiritual inventory and repentance, of acknowledging failures and asking for forgiveness. For some of us, the idea of taking stock for our sins and asking for forgiveness in some kind of religious ritual makes us recoil. We don't want to take part in anything that might unearth or tickle alive a Christian theology of original sin, a theology that understands human nature at its core as depraved and corrupt and therefore must be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Our Unitarian Universalist ancestors from long ago, in one way or another, said this theology of original sin is wrong-headed. It is not a true interpretation of the scripture, nor a right reflection of the nature of God, the nature of Jesus, or the message that Jesus preached. Instead, we are part of God's original blessing. We are a blessing along with every other creature, plant, element of this amazing creation. And I quote from Genesis, the first book in the Bible and the first book of the Torah. So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, he created them. Our faith tradition is grounded in the core goodness of creation, the core goodness of humanity. This is a faith statement that we share with our Jewish cousins. Today, I want to invite us all to set aside this idea of original sin that kicks up our theological hackles and ground ourselves in original blessing because it is from a foundation of core goodness that we are able to effectively and creatively reflect on our sadnesses, our longings, our guilt, our wrongdoing. Original blessing is what allows us to make mid-course corrections and realign our lives. The book of Jonah is the perfect wisdom story to frame this time of turning and returning because the prophet is so well-meaning and so flawed. It is a story that cuts close to the bone. Do you know the stubborn streak in your psyche? Do you know that stubborn streak? It has a kind of teenager flavor to it. The one that runs as far away from what has to be done as humanly possible, like a ship that Jonah hopped. And when confronted with the fact that there is no way out 
or no way around the task that must be done, the stubborn teenager in you says, fine, just throw me overboard. I'll be fine. <laughs> do you know that stubborn streak? I do. Do you know the self-righteous martyr? The character in your psyche that has a piece of the truth and so lords it over everyone around the water cooler, the dinner table, with their spouse, or at a community gathering? It's the character in all of us that is so concerned with being right that there is very little room, very little room for compassion or the ability to really see what's going on. We're almost angry, just like Jonah, when things turn out differently, even better than we could have imagined because it wasn't our way. I I'm poking fun, but to be honest, when I'm in these places, when these characters are alive in my psyche, I am absolutely miserable. I'm miserable. And if I am lucky, if grace has its way with me, I am swallowed by a great fish. And I come to rest in the belly of the whale. I remember loving the story of Jonah as a kid, looking at these pictures of a man sitting inside the cavernous ribs of the fish. There was something scary about it, and there was something that felt safe. Or maybe put another way, something that felt right. Jonah is held in darkness and in love. He is safe inside the fish as he does his soul searching. Now as I look back, I think that's just about right. When I can't figure out what is my piece of the puzzle, what is my piece of the pain I'm in, what is, and what is not my piece, I sit in the dark belly of the whale. It is both scary and right and somehow safe. There is room for admitting my wrongs, the places where I've missed the mark, and need forgiveness. Sometimes it means admitting when I should have stood my ground, when I should have spoken up. I don't relish these days in the belly of the whale, but it is necessary for getting back to what is whole and holy in this life and getting back to my original blessing. I just finished an incredible book called The True American. And it sketches out so beautifully the experience of sitting in the belly of the whale and finding a way back to wholeness by practicing repentance. In this true story, a true story, an Air Force officer from Bangladesh, Raisuddin Buyan, moves to the United States to satisfy a dream. 
He had experienced all kinds of successes in his home country, a middle-class lifestyle, a promising career, a beautiful fiancé. But he cannot let go of this dream of living and studying in America. And so he begins his immigrant story. And is so often the case, and most profoundly so for immigrants of color, Rice starts in the economic basement. He moved to Dallas, where a fellow countryman offered him a job in a food and gas mart. And all seemed to be going pretty well. Then 9-11 happened. Rice could sense the growing agitation and misinformation on the street and in the airwaves about Muslims. His beloved Islam was under attack, the faith he practiced and cherished so dearly. At the same time, Mark Stroman, a 20-something white man, abused and beat up by his meth-riddled family and neighborhood, found a dangerous foothold in the events of 9-11. In between jobs and prison stents, Mark took 9-11 really hard. He seethed over what had been done to his country. He felt that Americans needed to send a message to Arabs here and abroad. So after several weeks of seething rage, Mark went out on a violent rampage. He killed two people, a business owner from Pakistan and a man from South India, both of whom he mistook for Arabs. Two days later, Mark walked into the food and gas mart. Rice took notice of the man immediately, a red bandana wrapped around his mouth. The man was holding something black and shiny as he strode up to the counter. I know the drill, Rice said, and he picked up $150 and he put it on the counter. All the man said was, where are you from? Excuse me, said Rice. That's all he got out of his mouth before 10 million bees seemed to be stinging him in the face. Amazingly, Rice was still standing after the bullet lodged behind his right eye. With a thousand thoughts going through his mind, he saw the tattooed man still staring at him, ready to shoot. So Rice slumped to the floor and played dead. In the pool of blood forming around his head, Rice remembers whispering to God, if you give me my life back today, I will dedicate my life for others, for the poor, the deprived, and the needy. There are so many people who love me. For the sake of my mother, give me a chance. And he passed out. 
that moment, both men landed in the belly of the whale. Each sat in the great cavern of darkness. Scary. And as grace would have it, somehow safe. Each began his turning. Rice had a long and arduous journey of healing. He had several operations. He lost just about everything in the process. His eye, his place to live, his fiance, his easy way around people. But he never lost faith. He continued to feel held and guided by God and the grace of earthly helpers. Mark ended up on death row. He was brought to his knees with loneliness in solitary lockup. He begged his ex and three daughters to write him, to send pictures over the years, but communications were sparse. In some quirk of fate, Mark was hooked up with a film documentarian doing work in the prison. In their improbable friendship over the years, Mark's spirit began to make this amazing shift. He was experiencing love and authentic companionship and a growing sense of remorse. He was practicing turning and repenting of the great pain and destruction he had caused. Rice found his fundamental turning in Mecca on a pilgrimage and specifically in the Hira cave where the prophet Muhammad received his first revelation from God. Something took hold of Rice in the belly of the earth. He realized he had spent long years healing himself and now it was time to live outward like the prophet. In essence, Rice repents of living too small. He wanted to make good on the promise he made in that pool of his own blood to help the cast out and a fresh emerging call to help people of his new country understand the beauty and the power of Islam. The thing that kept surfacing was this crazy and yet absolutely profound impulse to forgive Mark Stroman and work to save his life. Rice Ruyan began to live his faith very publicly. He traveled all over the U.S. and Europe telling his story, speaking about mercy and fighting to save Mark. The first time the two men spoke was on the day Mark shot Rice. The second time they spoke was on the day of Mark's execution. Each was aware of the other's activities and spiritual shifts in their lives. Here's what they said. Rice, how are you doing, Rice? Hey, Mark, how are you, buddy? 
Hey man, thank you for everything you have been trying to do for me. Uh, you are ins inspiring. Thank you from, from my heart, dude. Mark, you should know that I am praying for God, the most compassionate and gracious. I forgive you. And I do not hate you. I have never hated you. Mark responds, you, you are a remarkable person. Thank you from my heart. I love you, bro. I love you with all my heart. You touched my heart. I, I, I would have never expected this. Rice said, you touched me too. Hey, Rice, they're telling me to hang up now. I'll, I'll try back in a minute. It's easy to dismiss such stories as these. This story of Mark and Rice or the story of Jonah. They seem so fantastic. So beyond our average lives, our, our workaday world. But we miss out on frameworks for our spiritual health, individually and communally, when we don't pay attention to these stories of wisdom. As one synagogue reads each year, who are we? We are light and truth and infinite wisdom, eternal goodness. Yet we have abused. We've betrayed. We've destroyed. On this Sunday, in honor of our Jewish taproot, let us sit in the belly of the whale for a time. Sit as the basket passes and the melody of the Kaddish takes you into deeper reflection. Take this time to venture into creative conversation with the inklings of your guilt, the shadow of your sadnesses, the longing for something different. And trust in the power of turning repentance, and forgiveness. Amen.